Okay, so I'm going to break down the October 13th British Columbia provincial election leaders debate. And uh, I'm going to look at what the three leaders had to say, talk about some of the things that I liked, and um, some of the, uh, the battles that came up in the debate. And uh, I'm going to point out some mistakes that they made. And I'm even going to try to award them points if I feel like they won on an issue or if they presented themselves in a way that, that I thought was strategic and would win over more voters. Um, all in all, it was a refreshing experience after seeing uh, some of the United States presidential debates and uh, you know the total lack of respect and the interrupting. Um, yeah, so the, you know I have a lot more notes on these debates. There was actual substance. Um, I thought that the uh, mediator did a great job, Sachi Kuro just kind of kept it all together and, and asked the candidates really difficult questions, putting them on the spot, um, which is great for the voters because everything is spontaneous, so you get to kind of see how they, they truly think and feel about issues. And I also really liked that uh, these three candidates, they, they all currently work in, in the provincial cabinet and uh, they have to work together and I think you could sort of see that collaboration you could see where they're talking about issues that they've all worked together on and um, personally I quite like that and you also got to see the political spectrum which was great you you could clearly see each leader and their party where they sit on the political spectrum with Andrew uh, Wilkinson and the Liberal Party kind of representing that right side politics uh, and being what we would call a traditional conservative party um, with you know lower taxes and privatization. John Horgan and the NDP, on the other hand, is what we'd probably consider more of a centrist party or a traditional liberal party. And uh, Sonia Furstena and the Green Party, um, not exactly socialists, but definitely um, more on the left side of the political spectrum in most of their policies. So to start off the debate, they talked about the uh, post-COVID recovery and how we're coming out of this pandemic and uh, the different kind of different types of aid packages and planning. And uh, Andrew Wilkinson, I thought, had a really good answer with a, a plan for this kind of what he calls a wartime economy, um, where uh, we really just need to um, get the economy rolling and it's a good time for the government to borrow at low interest rates. And uh, he had a five-year plan based around... Um, you know, the implementation of a vaccine, which I thought was, you know, showed that they, they'd kind of done their homework on this. However, I didn't like how they're getting rid of the PST and then jacking it back up to 3% after a year or two. It sort of doesn't make any sense, and the other two candidates kind of called, called him out on that. Um, Horgan just sort of defended himself on why he held a snap election. Didn't really talk a lot about uh, the budget, and first and all, use this opportunity to kind of say it's time to invest now in the future that we want saying that you know these are two emergencies at once and it's no time to double down on on climate action and in fact it's a really good time to start this unprecedented transformation however when she was faced with the uh, question on how that would directly help struggling small businesses she didn't really have a specific answer it was more of a kind of all-encompassing macroeconomic policy um, so I don't know if I'd award a point, although I did appreciate um, the uh, sentiment and uh, the reasoning behind that. Um, and then they jumped into um, uh, care homes, and uh, this kind of went right across the spectrum with Wilkinson and the Liberal Party 
talking about uh, for-profit care homes and based around these tax credits to help keep elderly living in their own properties. Um, Corgan, on the other hand, as a, as a centrist, kind of had a, a balanced approach of for and not-for-profit, and Personat and the Greens um, would be all not-for-profit because they don't want to see seniors being treated as commodities. So pretty interesting right across the spectrum. I didn't award any points because nobody had a, a clear argument that, that sort of stood out above the rest. Um, then they got into some questioning and Wilkinson wanted to ask Horgan about uh, the SNAP election itself and why they didn't put the, uh, the uh, provincial aid package in place until right before the election, thought it was very political. Horgan said no, they just wanted to use this as a time to, you know, consult and collaborate um, and make sure that the grants were going to the right places. Uh, so this kind of went back and forth, and then Horgan brought up the tax breaks back in 2001 that were the Liberals' fault and how that, uh, that ended up causing all kinds of problems. He brought up some, some book about <laughs> how, the, how that was a punishment. Um, you know, sounding really confident, but um, Wilkinson just firing back and saying it's name-calling, so no points really here. Then Personaw had a question about uh, the SNAP election itself, which I thought was was pretty good and strategic early on in the debate to just go right to Horgan and say, you know, you had said we need to put politics behind us, especially now during the pandemic, and then you call an election. Now we're putting politics back on the table. Um, so I thought that was really strategic, and um, Horgan kind of didn't really have a, an answer for this. So, yeah, I would almost give a point to Furson on that. Then uh, the topic of ICBC came up, and Wilkinson's only, exam only argument to why we should do it was, why not? We need more choice, which isn't really an argument. Um, and then went on to say that we're the only place in the world that has this uh, monopoly public vehicle insurance company. Um, that is a fallacy of ad populum or the, or the bandwagon fallacy in saying that just because everywhere else is doing it, that it must be right. Uh, so it's, you know, not really good logic. Um, and we were talking about childcare as well. Horgan was talking about his $10 a day thing that it's achievable, much more of a political answer, not really any, any argument there. So no points. First of all, I talked about moving uh, childcare into the public health, or the, not the public health system, the public education system, and that budget, and having, uh, you know, age three to four-year-olds um, getting early childhood education because it's so important. Great idea, but there was no, no plan or no budget, so I, I don't know that I'd award a point. She did go on to talk about the uh, four-day work week and how that has worked in Japan and increased productivity. Um, and, and it allows a better work-life balance. Um, the other candidates didn't, charge the didn't challenge this argument, and it's fairly sound logic, so I would award a point for that one. Um, and then um, they talked about affordability, and nobody really had an answer on this. Horgan tried to defend some of the policies they put in place to uh, increase the amount of rental housing. Um, however, Wilkinson was quick to fire back and say housing prices are higher than ever and rents continue to go up while income 
either stays the same or, or doesn't go up. So it's actually more unaffordable than ever before. And that's true. So I don't think anyone gets a point there. If, if uh, Wilkinson had a, a counter proposal, then maybe they could win a point. But because they didn't, it just stands as even. And then they talked about climate action and they kind of looped in First Nations reconciliation at the same time, which I thought was kind of a strange way to uh, tackle that one. Um, definitely makes sense if we're looking at uh, creating a new economy with new jobs, how we're going to include reconciliation in that planning and in those projects. None of the candidates could really answer it though, because it was such a complicated question. And uh, Horgan was right, I thought, and, and wise to identify that, you know, we're talking about 150 years of projects and uh, unfair policies on unceded territory. And so this is a daunting task. I thought that he uh, kind of was well-spoken there and maintained his composure. However, there wasn't really a plan in place. And then the uh, controversial topic of the Site C Dam kept coming up and nobody really had an answer on that. Horgan only blamed the Liberals and said, we inherited this thing, uh, so we'll take it, which I thought was kind of weak. Uh, he should have actually given some reasons why they want to go ahead with it, even though it's way over budget, and uh, maybe talk more about the benefits of having all this access to clean energy, but uh, didn't go into that, and then instead brought up the fact that his government was opposed to the Kinder Morgan pipeline, changing the subject away from the LNG pipeline in Kitimat, which they do support, which again is just changing the subject. Those are two different pipelines and not even the same product. Um, so he says they would support LNG if it fits into the climate plan and builds wealth in the north. Uh, those are just uh, political words. That's not real logic, so no points there. And moving along, uh, first and all, again, pulled out a really crafty question at, aimed at Horgan around the logging of old growth forest and how um, in, his, in his running for the last election, he had planned to put a ban on that, and yet it's still being decimated at the same rate, if not faster than ever. Horgan's only answer was, I'm also from Vancouver Island, so I understand where you're coming from, but that didn't really answer the question. So, uh, yeah, first Sanaa went on to say, yeah, we, we're not talking about setting aside old growth on top of mountains. We're talking about valley bottom, real old growth forest that has kind of value we can't even uh, put a monetary amount on so we need sustainable forestry i thought that was that was great i would i would award a point because she brought the question up and he couldn't defend it and she kind of gave the reasons why it should be uh, put in place um and then the topic of racism came up and i thought the mediator's question about asking each candidate as a, a white politician how they've reflected on their own unconscious biases was amazing and it was complicated and it's a question that i've asked myself recently and frankly it's, it's quite hard and um you know both wilkinson and horgan talked about their their past growing up and uh how when they were younger they were exposed to all these you know diverse communities where they, they worked in or they, they played sports with um but that, you know, the whole idea of that we're all equal was, was not really 
what the what the right answer was here. And Horgan even had a, a cringe moment where he said he did not see color. Um, so we'll be interesting to see how, how that one comes back to bite him. But, you know, I think about it many years ago, I, I might have kind of understood him on that. And I don't know if I'd have said that, but I, I definitely agree about this whole idea of, of being equal. But, you know, nowadays it's, it's different and we're seeing that that hasn't worked and that we do need to recognize diversity and, and understand it on a whole nother level. Um, and, and to hear him say that kind of really kind of drove it home for me. And then first and on the other hand, you know, she didn't just dive right into this answer. It was kind of, she kind of was really awkward and, and quiet, but I think that made sense because it was a complicated question. So to show that it's, that it's awkward and it's uncomfortable is, is to really understand the situation and be empathetic. And, and she kind of came out and said that we're not all equal as much as I wish that we were. Um, and we need to work on this and we need to understand uh, different perspectives and bring more diversity into politics for better s decisions. It was amazing. Uh, this point in the debate, I, I really had to hand it to her. She, it was her time to shine. And uh, I hope this actually leads to some policy. And then the last topic in the debate was around uh, social issues, namely the opioid crisis and homelessness. And uh, I thought that Horgan was was correct to say that, you know, these are our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, and, uh, you know, these are people and, and that this is indeed a health crisis because in the past he's been kind of back and forth on this issue. So it was good to finally hear that. And, and you know, he's open to listening to Bonnie Henry's advice that, you know, we need to have more prescription drugs and to try to decrease the number of deaths. Um, so all this was good. And then Wilkinson fired back saying that these hotels that the government's put in place to ensure that there are beds for homeless are really not solving the problem. They're not helping schizophrenia. They're not helping people with addictions. They're only kind of offering them a place to stay. Uh, so it's not really a solution. So this kind of went back and forth. I wouldn't award any points in the debate here. Um, and, uh, you know, Going back to first knot, she was she was quick to point out that a lot of this comes from poverty, and uh, she talked about uh, indigenous communities, and she talked about the need for uh, more holistic health care, uh, for mental health, more family doctors, uh, and then nonpartisanship, which she kind of went back to in her final speech. So they each had a moment at the end, and first knot kind of said, first and foremost, we need to un stop ignoring the science on climate change like so many governments have, which is amazing. That kind of spoke to her whole platform. And she recognized that we need co collaboration in government and that the past three and a half years of success in this government has all been due to the nonpartisanship and the fact that they've had to work as a coalition of minority government. And I, I completely agree with her. I, th I think that that this whole, you know, working across party lines and having a more collaborative approach to governing is exactly what we need. So that was amazing. Um, Wilkinson in his final speech just said, we'll beat this virus and we'll have the best place and the best recovery ever. He kind of had some sort of Trump tones in his, uh, his final speech. And then Horgan just said, we didn't plan on the pandemic and uh, we're not for all these tax breaks. So nothing real positive in his final speech. So yeah, I think 
um, looking at the final speech and some real moments of charisma and composure on, on behalf of uh, Sonia Furstenau, I got to give it to the Green Parties and, uh, and yeah, the Green Party and Sonia Furstenau. They, uh, they take the debate and maybe take the election too.